0: For a long time, African countries have felt that they've been left behind by many developed countries in every discussion that takes place. The global south has had to fight for their issues to be heard. Now, this is an opportunity for South Africa to lift its voice in terms of what it needs to see come out of these discussions.
1: Basically, a lot of developing countries are just tired of Western-style way to deal with the international relations. They are tired of psychology of you're either with
2: us or you're against us. They want an alternative. They want to have choice. There is a fundamental difference between these two. I mean, G7 is a very closed-off set club. And BRICS is always opening, trying to engage more people, trying to expand itself. That's why I think Brexit expansion, it's always been talked about. It keeps evolving, keeps going. The Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge.
1: Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way.
3: Hello everyone, welcome to BRICS Youth Chat, special episode of Chat Lounge. I'm Xu Wen in Beijing. In today's episode, I'm joined by three of my colleagues, and we're going to discuss the ongoing BRICS summit that's happening from August 22nd to 24th in Johannesburg, South Africa. The theme of this year's summit is BRICS and Africa. It's reported that over 40 heads of state and government are participating in the meeting, making it one of the largest gatherings of leaders from the global south in recent times. So what's the significance of the summit and why do we see more and more countries lining up to join the bloc? What opportunities will BRICS offer to Africa as well as the global south? Before we delve into these questions and more, let's firstly welcome my colleagues and see what their focuses are on the summit. So we have Pearl Butalezi, she's from South Africa. We have Konstantin Shepeng, he's from uh, Russia, as well as my colleague Huang Ziyuan, he's from China. So first of all, guys, why don't you give our audiences a brief introduction of yourself as well as what are your observations on the summit so far?
0: Well, yes, as you've just said, I'm Pro Botlezi or Zanele Botlezi. I'm from South Africa, and I've been here in China for just over five years. And uh, what I'm looking forward to in uh, these discussions that are about to start in South Africa is the topic of expansion, BRICS expansion, because there's a there's been a lot of talk in the build up to this summit, and so I'm interested to see who gets in and. Uh, will get their entry into this block delayed. I'm also looking forward to discussions as to how we strengthen trade among uh, member countries as well as those who are interested in joining but won't be joining this time around because that's the main focus of BRICS to promote global economic development and these countries that are coming together, these are countries that are needing that um, development when it comes to the economy and what Affected by what is happening right now in terms of uh, the economic crisis that is plaguing the world.
3: I noticed that, Constantine, you have been nodding your head while Pearl was giving her points. Right,
1: I totally (laughs) agree with with what Pearl said, but um, uh, I think uh, I'd like to expand the topics that uh, the BRICS countries are going to discuss in South Africa high on the agenda. Is a topic of de-dollarization of the economic cooperation within the framework of BRICS. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we probably gonna see is the discussions of, uh, you know, using the national currencies, or maybe just uh, even, uh, you know, working out the e-currency for the BRICS countries. It is very important. This topic is indeed very important for Russia because, uh, as we know, Russia and China are well ahead in, in that process right now. This, you know, Russian trade is serviced in national currencies for more than 80%. Uh, And it feels this kind of de-dollarization feels very secure on one hand, Mm. but on the other hand, we feel the lack of financial infrastructure. So that's a very important topic to be discussed within the framework of BRICS. Also, obviously, BRICS is going, have been, and is still going beyond just the sphere of economic cooperation. So there will be another multiple, multiple topics of the discussions. The one I got to check into during the summit is the promotion of the so-called media diplomacy media uh, diplomacy. Yeah, now our media BRICS media are going to talk a lot there will be a lot of events uh, concerning that question about strengthening the media uh, cooperation strengthening the overall voice of BRICS on the globally basically mm-hmm. so uh, that's also something to look into as I said.
3: yeah as you said the dollarization BRICS expansion as well as media diplomacy exactly. remain some of the topics attract you the most
2: yeah I think my colleague will expand this topic. Further. Well, I'm really here just for the tourist tips and food <laughs> tips. I've never been to South Africa before, so I'm kind of looking forward to visit sometimes. And just to echo what my colleagues had said, I think yeah, the dollarization will be a top priority in the this year's summit. But of course we have to face the fact that there are some difficulties there. Mm. Not only is dollar still the dominant currency in the world and also, you know, people have always said that dollar is backed by the US military power. So How do we make sure that the BRICS currency have enough of a force, whether it's political, economic, or military perhaps, to strengthen its foundation? So I think, yeah, we're going to have to delve into that. And I do think it's a long process before we can finally see the currency be put out there.
3: Those are all very great talking points we're going to delve more into during the uh, show. But before that, uh, we know the theme of this year's summit is BRICS and Africa. So Pearl, since you're from South Africa, what does that mean for your countries to host the summit? What's the significance for African countries to embrace this summit?
0: Well, what we are seeing here is the spotlight that's been shone on to Africa as well as South Africa. And uh, it means that we'll have issues that um, concern African countries being center stage of the discussions that will be taking place uh, down in Johannesburg, South Africa. And so for a long time, African countries have felt that they've been left Behind by many developed countries in every discussion that takes place, the global south has had to fight for their issues to be heard. Uh, when it comes to climate change, we saw in Egypt uh, with the climate discussions that were happening, the UN climate discussions that were happening. There's still issues of uh, financing uh, the transition from uh, um, from coal or fossil fuel fossil fuels to clean energy. There's still a fight there where, where as to where this financing is going to come from. You also go to other platforms, multilateral platforms. There's still a fight for African countries to make their voices heard. And so now this is an opportunity for South Africa to lift its voice in terms of what it needs to see come out of these discussions because South Africa is also a country that is facing a lot of, uh, I guess, challenges when it comes to the economy, most importantly, as well as unemployment, which is a huge issue. And so when when we have these discussions as uh, BRICS nations, we need to come up with resolutions as well as ideas that will support the development uh, of uh, these smaller countries or developing countries, as well as, you know, create opportunities, come up with ideas that will foster new opportunities that will create jobs for our young unemployed youth. Because Africa as well as South Africa, we are a very young nation. We are a very young continent as well as a young nation in terms of South Africa. I mean, the average age in Africa is 25 years old. Mm. So we need to have those young people occupied in terms of jobs and ensure that we build up our nations so that we don't get what is happening in uh, in, uh, West Africa where we are seeing a lot of uh, young people rising up and uh, opening up a space for coups to take place because people are frustrated. They are sick and tired of uh, living in poverty. And so they are trying new things. They are supporting people that they feel will bring them change. We don't know that uh, coups actually do bring change, changes or not, but uh, this is what we are seeing developing. And uh, hopefully the discussions in uh, South Africa we'll come up with ideas that actually uh, give people alternatives in terms of, uh, I guess, uh, good ideas that will take us to the path of development as well as democracy that uh, many countries yearn for.
3: I catch one key word Pearl just said, alternative. This is one of the very frequently appeared word when I was doing research about the BRICS summit. Also, last week when I was speaking to a few scholars from South Africa, they also came up with this word. Alternative, And they said the BRICS Summit offers another alternative platform for the developing countries and emerging markets to unite together, to strengthen their voice that has been neglected for far too long on the international stage. They said uh, through BRICS platform, country, they can really be there and uh, create this uh, fairer and uh, more inclusive organization that could benefit all. So I'd like to hear what are your thoughts on this? Yeah,
1: uh, I totally would like to agree with uh, what you just said. And basically, what, what you've just been talking about is exactly why BRICS uh, as, uh, well, we can't call it a, an organization, right? But uh, BRICS as a platform, probably BRICS as a club is uh, so attractive to a lot of uh, developing countries because Basically, a lot of developing countries are just uh, tired of Western-style way to deal with the international relations. They are tired of, uh, I don't know, Washington-led economic coercion. They are tired of uh, Cold War mentality when two blocks are fighting each other. They are tired of psychology of you're either with us or you're against us. They want an alternative. They want to have choice. They want to choose their partners, they don't want to be coerced into cooperation or submission by somebody, you know, from behind the ocean. So that's why BRICS, with its values of, you know, mutual respect, mutual benefit, a dialogue exchange, uh, the BRICS as the platform gives the developing countries that choice and it's been given this choice not not just today or yesterday this process has been ongoing for example it's very symbolic that it was exactly 10 years ago during the BRICS summit in South Africa in Durban that the first uh, so to say platform the first mechanism of further BRICS expansion was settled it was 10 years ago this mechanism was called outreach which meant that the BRICS countries basically proclaiming that they're not the exclusive club, that they're ready to cooperate with any country that is interested to do that. They're ready to give them choices. They're ready to build up the mutually beneficial relations. And that's what exactly 10 years ago, this process started. Now we're approaching the finish line. Exactly uh, 10 years later, this summit in South Africa again, we're gonna, you know, work out pro- probably the procedure. Right of, expand, of further expanding the BRICS. So everything looks very logical to me in this 10-year-long process.
0: Mm. And uh, I mean, some people might also be raising questions about, oh, maybe Russia is trying to do this through this process, or maybe China is trying to do some nefarious things about through this process, forgetting that the relationship between Africa and all these other countries, uh, whether it's China or Russia or Brazil or India, dates back a long many many years and uh, so this is just a continuation of that uh, engagement between these countries and now we are seeing countries that are coming from South America as well as the Middle East uh, that are also wishing to join this uh, this club Mm. or this bloc. but uh, I mean if you look at the theme you mentioned BRICS and Africa it's nothing new. China and uh, Russia, as well as uh, India and Brazil, they've always been close to African countries, as well as South Africa. South Africa has a, a very long history, uh, especially during uh, the liberation struggle uh, when we're still under uh, apartheid uh, uh government Mm -hmm. and uh, many of our, uh, I guess, uh, liberation fighters went abroad in exile. They got support from uh, countries like Russia as well as uh, China, uh, Brazil uh, and Cuba which has expressed interest in joining or has applied actually to join uh, BRICS. So this is a continuation of strengthening this relationship between these countries and uh, this is very encouraging because many of these countries, as I said earlier, uh, many of of their people, the populations in these countries are struggling and they're looking for answers to ending poverty that is plaguing them as well as unemployment. And uh, BRICS is promising that. I mean, it's in their, I I guess, their motto and the the words that have been uh, spoken over and over Mm -hmm. by leaders that, you know, we are here for peace, we are here for security, and we are here for cooperation. And so everyone wants a piece of that. Who doesn't want peace in their country? Who doesn't want development as well as, you know, cooperation? Mm -hmm. So I think that's what we are hoping to see being strengthened in these discussions that will take place in Johannesburg. Hopefully, bigger and better things will come out of the talks.
2: And I think one of the attractiveness of BRICS is that, like Pearl said, it's that continuous engagement between countries. Mm -hmm. I mean, I read an article, I think this morning that makes the equivalent between BRICS and the G7. I think that's one of the most frequent um, equivalents made. But there's a fundamental difference between these two. I mean, G7 is a very closed off set club. And BRICS is always opening, trying to engage more people, trying to expand itself. I mean, the fact that there's no set structure of this platform, as Constantine said, it opens up opportunities and it allows this platform to keeps evolving mm-hmm. but when you look at g7 you know these organizations have a very set structure and if we're really talking about the political part of it it's really led by one country which is the United States because economically they are all intertwined and the fact is they' are all linked together by security packs you you have Japan with a defense pack then there's NATO which groups together, all the rest. Uh-huh. So I think that's fundamentally different from BRICS. And that's why I think BRICS expansion, it's always been talked about is that that BRICS expansion is welcoming a lot of difference in there. It's engaging people. It might not be that fast of a process. Like you said, it takes 10 years to just set up uh, the procedure, but it's it keeps evolving, keeps going. So. I think that's why people are more and more people are looking to BRICS They're for the future.
3: All of you have just made great points on that. Actually, this year, uh, so far, over 20 countries have formally applied to become new members of BRICS, countries ranging from Latin America, Africa to Middle East, and also Eastern Europe. And uh, over 40 nations have expressed their interests. In joining the blog. So that number, a large amount of number of countries, they're actually wanting to be closer to BRICS blog represents that uh, what people really want in today's world. Speaking of that, this is a question for all of you. So we talk about BRICS summit, the reason why it's so attractive. So is there any specific country where which few countries attract your attention the most that they're interested in joining the
0: blog? I'm looking at Iran and Saudi Arabia, most importantly. Why Saudi Arabia first? I think it's because of um, the issue with oil it is a very uh, it's a big producer of oil and and it has always been a an ally of or not maybe always but it has been an ally of the US and so now what we are seeing emerging is that it's uh, gravitating away from uh, uh, the sphere of influence of the US and now towards BRICS so that will have an impact on the petrodollar, I feel. And so going forward, it will be interesting to see what comes out of the discussions in relation to Saudi Arabia. I think Saudi Arabia will be admitted into BRICS at this conference. I think along with uh, Iran, because you can't have Saudi Arabia in, and Iran, which is another applicant, not be included. I mean, if you look back at what uh, has just transpired uh, between where. China brokered a peace deal between yeah. these countries, so it will make sense to have them both join right. BRICS. And uh, also Iran is another uh, major oil producer, mm. so it also links to the petrodollar. So we are seeing major shifts happening here. This is why I said this um, conference or this summit in South Africa is bigger than um, we might maybe think. It is huge Um, we've had bigger summits of of this nature, but this one is big because of the implication it has. The discussions or the decisions that will be taken there will have uh, far-reaching implications going, uh, especially the the implications will reverberate around the world. And that's why the world is also looking at this conference or this summit, watching closely to see what happens. And uh, the shifts are happening and... um, China as well as Africa, Brazil, Russia, and all the countries that are interested in BRICS, they want change. This is what they are screaming or mm. saying. They want they don't want to continue with the current order where mm. only a few countries are leading the way the way in terms of benefiting their own interests, you know? And so Everyone wants to benefit out of all this cooperation that is happening. And this is what BRICS is offering. And we'll see what comes out of the discussions. And, yeah, I'm really excited, as you can see in my face.
2: <laughs> I'm yeah. excited
0: about the prospects of what yeah, will Yeah, that,
1: uh, that's that's a very excited face, indeed, that I see <laughs> over here. But, uh, you know, w- what I would like to add, I don't want uh, to look at any specific country, but I want to underline that uh, I would like to agree with Bill that we do – see a geopolitical shift, so to say. But uh, I'd like to uh, underline that it's not just, you know, 40 countries suddenly pop up, Mm. you know, and say, "Okay, guys, we want to join the BRICS. This uh, process uh, has been ongoing. I want to uh, remember the situation uh, back uh, in China in 2017, um, uh, where the BRICS Plus format was announced during the uh, uh, Chinese uh, summit in Xiamen. Back at that time, Back at that time, uh 35 countries, developing countries, already said, yeah, we are thinking about joining BRICS or closely cooperating with the, uh, with this platform of five countries. So even back at that time, you know, six years ago, somewhat six years ago, the margin of interest, the amount of interest, it was already uh, huge. Back in 2017, we uh, basically began talking About, I mean, since back at that time, BRICS already had uh, five countries and there were uh, 35 uh, countries who said we want to join or cooperate. Uh, People started talking about uh, creating the so-called G40 for developing countries. And that's uh, probably, that's uh, that's the road that BRICS is uh, going right now, right? So yeah, I'm excited. I'm quite excited (laughs) as well to see the development. And uh, I'm pretty much sure that the development will be uh, fast
0: but uh, Constantine, yeah. I have a question though. Right. Do you think it will be too fast? Should they not maybe slow down in terms of the expansion? All uh, uh,
1: uh, 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 right, that's that's the ongoing argument. It, it's not going on just in bricks. Uh, it, it goes on in a lot of other international uh, organizations. The point here is sometimes the intensive and extensive development they just don't come together sometimes. It's either this or that. Why? It's quite logical. Uh, The more countries you get, the harder it is to reach the consensus, the harder it is to reach the new unity on some exact project. So um, here we're talking about, you know, BRICS probably. It is very true. I totally agree with that. Um, uh, BRICS has to find some, you know, as they say, harmony. Oh. between intensive and extensive cooperation uh, and uh, you know this situation in BRICS is uh, is not something new i mean the same arguments are ongoing in other regional or global organizations take uh, for example shanghai cooperation organization mm-hmm. there's yeah it is expanding right now but before the very start of the expansion process There was a very harsh argument between major countries of what should we do first? Should we deepen, actually deepen our cooperation, make it more effective, or should we include more countries? Because as we we know, the basic principle of uh, Shanghai Cooperation Organization and its decision-taking is pretty much the same as in BRICS, which is consensus. And the more countries you get, the harder it is to reach the consensus. So uh, in in a lot of organizations like this, you have to find something like a golden middle. Like they say, in China, it has to be Croatia, right? Very harmonious. Yeah. You, you have to find the balance between, uh, between the extensive and intensive development. So uh, concerning that point, I don't think that uh, we will immediately get 20 countries joining the, the BRICS at this summit, yeah. right? Probably this, uh, this process will take some time. Of course, BRICS will expand it has already expanded once from Brick to Bricks, brick, right? Yeah. Uh, so, and, uh, it's I a
3: matter am, of time. Right.
1: It's a matter of time, but uh, uh, surely uh, we shouldn't s- speed it up too, mm-hmm. too much because it actually can influence the effectiveness of the cooperation process within this platform.
2: No, so, that's you true. know, I, I would like to propose a kind of a counter-argument to this. Right. Uh, sometimes the pace... We we cannot set it. We have to respond to the geopolitical shifts because it's shifting way too quickly True, right now. Because mm. one of the countries that I'm watching, not necessarily included in the 40, applied or informally expressed interest is France. Yeah. Uh, earlier this year, that I I believe the French president through a middleman or some kind expressed interest to come to this year's BRICS summit. I think his foreign minister even shared his availability with the South Africans, but then. For some reasons that we don't know of, they he, he called yeah. it off. Um We all can guess what what that is. Yeah. Uh,
3: <laughs> but <laughs> let's be clear: it doesn't mean that BRICS are not welcoming all the other developed right. or industrialized countries.
1: Yeah, I'm, a- I'm sure it's it's not about the the fact that France is developed country. <laughs> yeah. because yeah. if we if we look at the further development of BRICS, uh, I think the the basic principle of joining the BRICS is not like, uh, that you are still a developing nation. Mm -hmm. Because uh, BRICS as it is, uh, the founder nations of BRICS, they're developing really fast themselves. I mean, uh, I'm more than sure that by 2035, China will be acknowledged as a developed nation. What, should it quit the BRICS? Of -hmm. course not, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I I think that the basic principle that to join the BRICS, you have to be a developing nation. Mm -hmm. It's not a basic
2: one it's not a basic requirement mm-hmm. i think it should be something else yeah, yeah and i think in, in france's case i don't think it's trying to join because it's whether it wants to be developing or developing nation mm-hmm. i think it just wants to explore explore alternatives. alternatives like yeah, exactly. alternatives you said. Yes. that's it's a different path yeah. from what it has been working in for decades mm-hmm. so i think that's um that's what brings back to the pace question the thing i think yeah we're gonna have sp- to spend a lot of time discussing the mechanism, discussing how and when should we admit new members, but perhaps sometimes it's up to the the whole international community's sure. change. We have sure. to follow that and respond to it. France probably listened to Minister Wani, <laughs>
1: who during, uh, during his multiple visits to Europe, yeah. underlined that Europe should should try and find its geopolitical. Autonomy.
2: France has been finding
1: it for, for uh, some time. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so far, uh, France is the most uh, active uh, yeah. <laughs> member to of Western community diplomacy in, the, in that respect. Yeah.
3: Well, we've been discussing what benefits this BRICS block could potentially bring to developing countries and emerging markets. We've been also talking about the expansion of BRICS. Let's move on to something more leisure. We know South Africa, China, uh, Russia, India, Brazil, they have the advancement in your tourism sector. Also, considering tourism sector plays a very important role in this country's economic development, Let's take South Africa, for example, because (laughs) we we have learned that actually before the pandemic, say in 2019, around 100,000 Chinese people traveled to South Africa. And now in a post-pandemic world, they're expected to see that number coming back. So Pearl, for people from around the world who are interested in visiting South Africa, where would you recommend us to go?
0: Well, we have many places in South Africa that people would actually be interested in. We have a coastline that is 2,800 kilometers long, which starts from Mozambique on the east coast, and then it goes around down south and uh, back up on the east coast to where Namibia starts, our neighbor, another neighbor of South Africa. And uh, there you can choose to go to Durban which is on the east coast if you are into the beach life you want to relax and that's we- your hometown right my hometown <laughs> yes I'm from right. Dur- the city of Durban yes I was born and raised there so I can tell you all about it the beaches the lifestyle there in the townships as well as the culture which uh I mean it's a it's a it's a part of the world that is uh um, dominated by Zulu-speaking um, ethnic groups. I'm Zulu myself. And so you will learn about that culture, but we also have other smaller uh, cultures like uh, Sotho, and, as well as the Indian community, a large Indian community um, in South Africa, people of uh, Indian descent that are South Africans, and they live in uh, in Durban mostly, but they also found in other parts of the country. And you can go inland also and enjoy the mountainscape of South Africa we have beautiful mountains the dragonsburg mountain which uh, gets some snow on uh, on some days or some seasons and so you can go and hike up there if you're not interested in that you want to go to uh, dip yourself in the atlantic ocean because we have three oceans we have wow. the indian ocean on the east coast and then we have the southern ocean on the southern tip of africa as well as uh, the Atlantic Ocean. So most people go to the Cape Point, uh which is in Cape Town on the w- west coast. That's where they think it's where the Atlantic Ocean and the Indian Ocean clash. Yeah. So people think it's the two oceans fighting. I don't know about that. That's that's romantic actually. <laughs> But uh that part of the of South Africa draws a lot of uh, tourist people just tra- coming to see this phenomenon. I don't know if it's true or not but yeah, you can go there and uh, have your foot in the Atlantic Ocean and another foot in the Indian Ocean. Ocean. So it's amazing. But, yeah, we have um, 11 official languages uh, plus the uh, sign language has been added as uh, the 12th language and so you can learn about all the different cultures that we have it's a melting, it's a melting pot of uh, cultures we are known as the rainbow nation that's our nickname as the country and uh, so you can find Zulus, Tossus, Um, Ipedi, Tsoanes wow. there are a lot of clicks in most of our <laughs> languages yeah one so
1: question you- <laughs> about that I'm coming to South Africa if I don't speak any of these languages but English will i survive
0: oh yes english is one of our official languages so it'll be easy for you to travel around the country in all the exactly in all the provinces you will be able to get served uh, get service and Communicate with locals easily and uh, learn about the country and build friendships. People are very warm. Um, Yeah, and you'll enjoy yourself, I think.
3: So another question, the last question for you too. So, After listening to what Pearl just said, uh, how do you think the tourism sector could uh, boost the people-to-people exchanges and also provide economic and uh, employment opportunities to the countries?
1: The logic over here is very simple. Like, uh, if we talk about people-to-people exchanges, including tourism, the logic is very simple but very strong, right? When you have people-to-people exchanges, you have mutual understanding, growing. When you have mutual understanding, you have mutual trust. And mutual trust is more important than gold and money in our world right now. Because when there's mutual trust, there is cooperation, opportunities for economic development and everything, everything else right so basically currently people to people exchanges is the guarantee for improving the mutual trust and improving the cooperation that simple logic proved itself totally right i can give you a lot of examples in bilateral cooperations, or i can give you the vice versa examples why china can't just cooperate with the us right now there's no trust Washington says one thing, does another, right? Mm -hmm. If you improve the trust, then you can start cooperation. Mm -hmm. So people to be able in exchanges improve trust. Then you cooperate, then you have your economic benefits and everything else.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. if you have tourism it's easy for people to go to countries. Like right now, I was talking about people coming to South Africa to witness for themselves what the country is like, and maybe put aside what they always read in the media and so on, and just have that personal experience that will allow them to interact with locals. Mm -hmm. There we're having an exchange. If I go to your country and talk to you, I'm learning a bit more about your country and also seeing your country. That's an exchange because I will go back to my hometown and tell people about what I've witnessed and, uh, it will help promote uh, your culture as i experienced it and uh, also with the, the internet and everything that's happening people post about what they see and others will love what you post about mm-hmm. and want to come to your country so now there you are now building bridges and encouraging people to reach out you know and uh, touch other countries or touch other cultures so that they know and learn and also teach others about their own countries or about their own cultures so So we are building people to people interaction and connection, and that will build even bigger things trade and um, in south africa we need a lot of uh, job opportunities so it will, it will encourage young people to also get involved and uh, start jobs and maybe it, especially the tourism industry there are a lot of uh, for opportunities mm. for small businesses that will promote the country so i think that's another opportunity that's opening up mm. with this uh, BRICS summit
3: do you, and do you have anything else yeah, other
2: than that i'll be might be personally contributing to the tourism income in South Africa sometime soon, I hope. <laughs> no, uh, that's
3: also on yeah. my bucket <laughs> list. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I think uh, I totally agree with what my colleague have said. Um, I just want to add that people-to-people exchange, they expose both sides to things that ha- haven't been learned before. As much as we media or social media, TikTok or whatever it is, as much as we post or write up things and post them on the internet, it's not comparable to what we experience in mm. person. Um, I know that really well because I spent nearly a decade in the, in the United States, and you know now I'm back in China. So I I I totally understand how actually living among the people or just traveling gives you a totally different impression from what you've read online. Um, it might not be all the good side, but all of those build up your experience and form your. Um,
3: perception Perception
2: of the country. So I think that's incredibly important, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. They they see how you behave in their country, and they form perceptions of you, and by extension, your country.
3: Exactly. Thank you all for being part of this great discussion. That was Pearl, Constantine, and Ji Yuan. So that'll be all for this episode of Chat Lounge. Thank you so much for listening.